So glad that you have joined us for the program. Caleb, how are you? I'm doing great. We're getting so a winter blast here. We are. It's a little wintry here it. in February. I know that your birthday is coming up, and so maybe we'll have a little uh, birthday snow for you, huh? Maybe so. It's coming up, and God's going to—I just was actually talking to a friend of ours who's a weather nut, if I could use that phrase, and he's saying there's a chance of a uh, big snow on my birthday next week. That's that better be than a weird. white Christmas, huh? Almost. Snow on your birthday. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Almost. Well— we are here. Caleb, I've got a question to start today's program. And right. I would like to know what you would do if you had all the money in the world. If finances like were... Like no one else had any money at all? Oh, I guess that's not my question. If you okay. had an unlimited amount of money, it would actually probably be worse if no one else had money. Yes, and then you I had all the, money, all the money, in the world. then it's like Lord of the Flies... I, I would not want to really... be you. I would run away from the money. If you were the only person with any money uh-huh. and everybody else is looking for money. How badly would I lord it over the rest of you? Get out of that situation. And then we'd find out just what a conservative, you, heartless conservative you are as you just oh, laugh at goodness. everyone in their misery as you hoard all the money, right? No. I would. What would you do, notwithstanding everyone else's economic situation, what would you do if you had... All the money that you needed, more than you could spend, and you could do anything you want, and you knew that money was going to be no object. What would you do with it? Oh, geez. Um, I would vacation a little more often and spend more time in the sun than I do now. That's one thing for sure. Yes. I would take uh, just a massive family reunion. I'm an extrovert. Yes. And so, yeah, I would pretty much everybody I know and all the family, I would throw a massive get together in Hawaii or in Mexico Ooh. or somewhere, fly that everybody over for a 10 day soiree or soiree. How do you say that? 10 days? Soir- yeah, let's do it for longer. Is that not enough? I'm, I'm assuming I'm included in this, actually, by the way. Oh, in your well, little getaway to Hawaii, it, I would I would definitely give it yeah. some thought. And think okay. about inviting. Well, you. I I like that idea. You have you have a. It's actually not totally dissimilar because the subject of our first story appears to be something of an extrovert as well, um, maybe. But there's a there's a Japanese man. This is a new a, a timely story here. A Japanese man by the name of Mitsutoki Shigita, I think is yeah. how that's pronounced. And, yeah, okay. and and he is um, he's apparently the the child of an entrepreneur. He is now twenty eight years old, but he was just awarded custody of thirteen children that he paid for to have surrogates have in Thailand, and this case apparently went to court because. They were suspecting that the number of children that he had paid for to have through surrogacy, maybe he was like involved in some kind of child trafficking ring. They eventually were satisfied that he actually just wanted this many kids. He said he wanted to have a large family. And so he paid surrogates to have 13 kids. Keep in mind, he apparently has at least three Others, in addition to this group of 13, from other surrogacy arrangements, he is unmarried, so he's single. 
He just has a lot of money, and he used his money to pay so he can have a bunch of kids. So and, how is this guy single? This mega multimillionaire, but he can't find a woman. That seems an unusual problem for a multimillionaire. Well, that's a, that's an in, that, that that's a great question. That's a great <laughs> question. Well, this is Japan. Who knows? And th- he's actually kind of a reclusive guy. Apparently, there aren't a ton of pictures of him. He didn't go to the court hearings. He just sent his lawyer to do all the arguing for him. Um, and these are all. So in in vitro fertilization yes. for all these women. Correct. And they are biologically all his children. He donated sperm so that all of these kids could be created and then implanted into these surrogate mothers. There were nine surrogate mothers. Thirteen babies were born. And the women are in on it because they get paid or why? Correct. They got paid. And he paid them, according to the report. And and I should say that we had... This is a story on our website at fpiw.org, if you uh, prefer to read about it. He paid somewhere between $9,500 and $12,500 to each of the surrogates. And now he has a whole bunch of children. All by himself. So not that reclusive, apparently. Well, that's the thing. Because the argument his lawyer made is that he is going to pay nannies and, um, I guess, nannies to raise these kids. And he's already got plans for an international school that he's going to send them all to. These kids will not be living in poverty. But And he's not, he's not changing 13 diapers himself. No, I don't think so. I don't even know that that would be possible. <laughs> I'm, I, it doesn't sound like that's part of his plan. My question for you, good idea, bad idea? Yeah, this is, uh, this is a bad idea because... So more in the stupid category than the smart yeah, category. Yeah, this one falls under under stupid. I mean... I guess maybe he has some good motives here, maybe, or may. And actually, reading this article here, I'm I'm flipping through this article you sent me just like two or three hours ago to look at. It, the concern was, uh, sex trafficking, or child slavery, where they were worried yes. that he was creating. I don't know if that's the right word, but creating all these kids to then turn around and sell. Yes, and because. I mean, I don't know why a parent would do that, but in a sense, I mean, you could do that. And so that was the concern. It looks like they think he probably isn't doing that, it right. turns out. So at but, least in this case, that problem is. But but here's my question. Does that, do his motives, I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess we can agree that it's good that he's not, it doesn't appear like a pedophile trying to just get kids to take advantage of or actually sell. Assuming that he doesn't actually mean harm, does his intention to do good matter? Because my concern is these are a bunch of kids who now are going to be raised certainly without a mother. The, the, the female caregivers, and I guess I'm going to make a sexist assumption here, that most of the nannies he's going to hire to watch these kids are going to be women. So they will probably have women in their lives, but they will not be consistent. None of them will be their mother. They probably will take a job and leave it as, you know, they move on in their lives. And over the course of these kids, 18 years, who knows how many different female caregivers they have. 
Yeah. But can't we agree that there's going to be a void there that they're not going to have a mom? In... And I think that's that's what it boils down to is the idea that it's not it, it isn't the way God designed it. It's not the way nature designed it. And when I say nature, I mean nature and nature's God, the way our, our founders use that phrase, that we're supposed to have a mom and a dad that live together and raise us as children. Now, obviously, that doesn't always happen, but that is still the ideal. That is still the design. And intentionally doing something outside of that design seems unwise. And it, and it, to me, it looks like, like a movie, like a sci-fi movie situation where, I mean, how many sci-fi movies have we created with the premise, yeah. just because we can, it doesn't necessarily mean we should. And, uh, and we have a, those a people farms. example of that would be like, um, uh, shoot, what's the dinosaur movie? It's Jurassic, um, Jurassic Park? Park. Sorry, sure. put my mind there. But yeah, like Jurassic Park, where we could apparently, in this world anyway, of Jurassic Park, we have the ability now to take the DNA from a mosquito and create a T Rex and, uh, and a whole bunch of I don't think that's based on reality. I don't think we're. I believe that if we could, that would have been done. No, no, no. In this world of Jurassic Park, it's possible. Yes. Okay. Sure. In the in the premise of the movie was that it becomes possible. I don't. I I kind of doubt it actually ever will be possible in real life. But in the premise of this movie. It is possible in this movie, and therefore they do it. And now they regret it. The the wise scientist says you should have never done this. You're messing with what should not be done. Right. And they get chased around by a bunch of dinosaurs. And so – but the same principle applies here. Just because we can, does that mean we should? And I think the answer to that is no. Well, here's what's interesting about the timing of this is tomorrow morning, and, and we're talking here on Tuesday the 20th. So tomorrow morning, Wednesday the 21st, the House Judiciary Committee in the Washington State Legislature is going to be hearing, have a public hearing on a bill to allow, to legalize commercial surrogacy in the state of Washington. And so the timing of this is, is really something because the, Mr. Shigita went to Thailand and did this because commercial surrogacy was legal in the state in Thailand. But not in Japan. But no, it is not legal in Japan, which is why he went to Thailand. Subsequently, Thailand has made it illegal for foreigners to go into Thailand and have surrogacy contracts, specifically for cases like this. And India and Cambodia, other countries with very recent uh, experience with commercial surrogacy have banned commercial surrogacy entirely. But mm. we here in Washington are moving in the opposite direction right now where we have, it has already passed the state Senate. Uh, the, the bill is Senate Bill 6037. If you're following along at home and want to uh, look it up, it's Senate Bill 6037 and it would legalize commercial surrogacy and allow for precisely this kind of thing to happen. And, and now I, before I even knew about the story, I joked about this in the last few weeks of what would stop, you know, what if Jeff Bezos was a megalomaniac and I have no reason to think that he is, but you know, we've got some rich people in Washington state or even around the world because there are no limits. But what if Jeff Bezos decided that he wanted to, you know, set the Guinness book of world record for most biological children? And because you have hundreds of kids, 
Oh, thousands if you wanted to. Because he's, I mean, there's no end to the amount of money. So they're surrogates, and you just keep ramping the price up. Oh, you won't do it for 20000 How about fifty? How about 300000 And I've got more money than I know what to do with, and I want the Guinness Book World Record of most number of kids. And that brings up the, you know, who's, who's rights Trump, so to speak, there. And yes. you can, I mean, in theory, you could have three or four rich guys around the world trying to get into the Guinness Book of World Records. Genghis Kong style. They say that Genghis Kong is the ancestor of like 9% of the planet right now. I don't know if you've heard that. Yes. And that was through a different means, though. It yes. was a very horrible the conven- means. That the he- conventional way. With yeah, the conventional he, way. The, the conventional way. No in vitro fertilization was involved. Not necessarily with Genghis's through children. Of, of the wives either. But so this, they could make it run on Genghis Kong's record. Um, less violently, thankfully. But still... They would be thinking probably about the children about as much as Genghis Khan was, which was yeah. not at all. And, and the question is, who's rights Trump? And so we've already got a precedent, one thing, with the abortion debate, where women, their opinion, their rights, trump that of the child. At least until the child's born. Correct. Then they become equal rights. But before that, they don't have equal rights. And so the, you can ask the same question here. Is it desirable— for a child from the very beginning to be set up in a situation where they do not have their natural parents for one thing or one or the other parent. And they wouldn't. They're, in a case like what we're talking about here, these 13 kids do not have a, a desire. Well, I don't yeah. know if desirable is the right word. It's not the way it was designed. It's not desirable. And, yeah, it is for him, but for the kids, yeah. Well, that that's the thing. It's and, and this is the this is the dilemma that has been set up, and I think you're framing it in a way that I would agree with. Is that you have uh, uh, adults have the right to have children, right? The government can't come in and castrate you or you, you know sterilize people against their will and saying we don't want you to have kids. So there is a right for adults to have children, but there is also a right for children to have parents and to know their specific parents who they came from. And that's actually, you know, I'm, I'm critical of the UN in all sorts of ways, but the International Rights of the Child Treaty that basically every country in the world besides the United States for different reasons has agreed to is that children have an inalienable, how we would see that, right to be connected to their biological mother and father. And so these rights seem to be in conflict now where adults are saying, I really want to have a child. No, I'm not married or no, I'm not even in a relationship. I'm not doing anything that would produce a child, but I still want to have a child. And then you have, on the other hand, children that are, you know, theoretical in some sense, because they may not even exist, though these 13 kids do exist, basically saying we have a right to parents, but the kids can't speak for themselves. Only the adults can. And so when those rights come into conflict, who wins? And I think that's I think your answer to that question, whether it's more important to make sure adults have have kids if they want them than to make sure kids have parents. That is a that's the choice. And I think that we're moving in the wrong direction because the parent child relationship, in my judgment, should always prioritize the needs of the kids, not the parents. And that's good. And it brings up two thoughts in my head, one an argument and then a counter argument. The first argument is a, a parent or a single person can say, I want to produce children. And that that's a desire I have. I have the right to produce children. And apparently God says, no, you don't, because you can't produce children 
by yourself. Just with that desire, it's not enough. No matter how hard you want to have children, you can't by yourself. You have to have a partner with it. You have to have a partner of the opposite sex. Yes. And then you can produce children at that point. And so it seems like setting it up from the very beginning to produce a way where they can produce children All outside of the, the original design is wrong because it goes against the way we're designed. The counter-argument to that would be, well, maybe what about a single person who isn't married? Are they Should they never be involved with children or raise children? And the answer is no. There are children out there who already are alive or already born or about to be born, and they're already under less than ideal circumstances. Right. The, the, the injury has already been created in that they're already detached from the, from the ideal situation. And, and in so, their case, they may be better off with a loving single parent who, for whatever reason, has never married correct. and or a couple who, for whatever reason, can't produce kids. But getting closer to the design is the idea. A couple that is infertile certainly can, can raise and adopt kids because that they're getting back to the design of two parents producing children. If for some reason they can't physically produce children, bringing a child into that circumstance is still – trying to honor the original design of two parents. It's a reasonable approximation of the, of the ideal. But what we're doing with, with surrogacy contracts and this is we are, we are in fact incentivizing and encouraging a situations to develop where kids are going to be separated from one or both of their biological parents. We're saying by, by giving it the imprimatur is that the right word? The blessing of the state we're basically saying this is an okay thing. We're gonna we're gonna encourage this to happen, and that I think is the is the biggest problem with this, because what's to stop? And, and specifically, you know, thirteen kids. I'm just whatever you can pay for. I mean, I'm I'm a lot more sympathetic to you know the infertile couple who might want surrogacy need need a uh, a surrogate to have help them have one or two children, but. The the way that it's being proposed in Washington State right now, it does not limit how many you can have, and it does not limit, it does not require the people who are involved in these surrogacy arrangements to live in Washington State or even be residents of the United States. And this is I a think yeah, very we should clear. always seek to honor the design that that was placed by by nature by God in us. And this is circumventing the design. Single people were not designed to produce children. And there's, there's no debating that. That, that. that simply is the truth. Correct. And so we shouldn't try to work around that without him having any kind of relationship with the mothers, nor ever desiring to have a relationship with the mother. And for that matter, what kind of relationship will he have with the kids uh, with if there's when you're one guy with 16 mothers. kids, yeah, he's got at least 16 kids. He's 28. You know who knows who this guy is, and I don't know if he'll ever talk to media or do a. You know, he should be a reality show. I mean, but how can one single 28 year old guy be present as a single parent for that many children and provide what they need? And I. I just don't think that's going to happen. And sometimes that'll happen. Like a couple might have five or six kids at once. I mean, it, it's pretty rare, but it could happen. So you might try to make the same argument there. But even then, that's an 
unexpected thing. Yeah. Or he he's got thirteen kids within the, a year of each other. And that yeah, and that and that was that way from his original. That's how he designed it from the get go. It wasn't a a problem that happened. That's exactly how he intended it to happen. Correct. And that's outside of the way we're supposed to reproduce. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? So. This is going to be debate. This, this, I think, I think the timing of this might be providential in some way because I think it's going to add some important context to the debate in Olympia. And for those of you who live in Washington State, we would encourage you, as always, to reach out to your legislators and let them know how you feel about this bill. Again, it's Senate Bill sixty thirty seven, uh, or any other that you've been following or care about. You can uh, contact them through the legislative hotline at one eight hundred. Five six two six thousand. That's one eight hundred five six two six thousand. Caleb, there's one other bill I wanted to talk about. I'm changing subject a little bit, and I would say that uh, if you happen to be listening listening to this in your car and there's little ears around, this might be a subject that uh, you don't want uh, them to listen in on. It's slightly sensitive, though. We will certainly do this in as discreet a way as possible. But I'll give you a few seconds to maybe turn off the volume if you need to do that. But this bill is also being debated in the Washington State Legislature. It's Senate Bill 6566. And this has to do with sexting. Now, this, like surrogacy contracts, is kind of a product of our new technological age. And minors... Having in sexting is, of course, the idea that you are sending, ex- communi- making ex- sexually explicit communications uh, with your phone, I suppose is the way that's always done. And what's been become quite common nowadays among young, young people is the pressure for young girls to send sexually explicit images of themselves on their phones to other people. Now, this is a crime because it is a it is a felony to possess child pornography which is sexual images nudity of somebody under the age of 18 so the the moment a minor takes a photograph of themselves on their phone like that they are in possession of child pornography which is a felony and then now, when, they, when you uh... You just sent this to me like an hour ago to say, hey, I want to add this onto our conversation. And I had never even I had no idea it was even a felony. Now, it seems it struck me as odd that that it would be. And then you were like, well, yeah, it's child porn. It's like, oh, well, I guess it is. I hadn't thought of it that way, where if a girl texts her high school girl, texts her high school boyfriend a picture of herself, which is entirely inappropriate. But it surprised me that it's a felony. Well, that's the thing, is that our felony child pornography laws were written before sexting was a thing. When they were all written, there you didn't have every 14-year-old in the country with their own phone and the ability to take pictures and communicate discreetly. And so simply possessing these images is what child pornography was. We just weren't aware of this particular way to possess these images, and we hadn't thought about the fact that the image might be of yourself. Right. And that is, and of course there's still the other kind of child pornography that's taking place, but you now have this whole other so does this, dynamic. Does the bill distinguish then between, between what 
what I would think of as as child porn as compared to this scenario we just described. Uh, it, well, it, yes, it says the distinguish between those in the bill. Yes, well, it says a minor who who does this with themselves if images of them. It makes it a misdemeanor. It does not eliminate the other categories of child pornography if you're distributing or storing images of other people. But this is this is drafted in a way to specifically apply to minors who have images of themselves on their phone or might send images of themselves or somebody that they know um, over over their phone. Because, you know, when I, and I just did a quick Google search of this, is there's a, there's a number of stories of minors, 16-year-old girls, who are registered sex offenders now because of this. And they fell under the definition of somebody who was distributing child pornography, even though certainly those statutes were not drafted with her in mind. But the definition fit, and these girls are now registered sex offenders. Now, does that last until they're 18 or 21, or is that just a life thing? Well, being a sex offender in most jurisdictions, and I can't can't tell you those states, but my assumption is you you don't get off a... Sex offender list. Huh. Now, yeah, that doesn't th- seem like that's what the law was intended for. That's well, it true. wasn't. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to fit. It, it's not intended for that. And I, yeah, I think we would all look at that and say that's not a very just outcome. You know, that might be a youthful indiscretion. But should this girl now have to register as a sex offender forever and never have a job? Probably not. Um, but, but they, w- this the law would then be changed from a felony to a, so it'd still be a misdemeanor. It's still though. a crime. It's still a crime. Yes, it's just a much less serious offense when you move from a felony to a misdemeanor. Now, the irony of it for me remains that right now, I mean, schools teach kids how to, quote-unquote, safely have sex with each other. Yes. And yet sending a, a picture to your boyfriend or girlfriend would be a misdemeanor. Yes. Which, which there... seems... Weird. Does seem to be some incongruence there. Should actually we... having sex at that age with someone you're not committed to yeah. is a lot more negative than a picture. Although I, I'm opposed to sending naked pictures too. If my kids are listening to this, yeah, this is not okay. But the idea that actually having sex is is accepted at least, if not advocated it's, for, it's it, beyond it, accepted. Yes. But it's expected. It, I mean, it, That's the thing. It's it, that is expected, and everything that we do in our public in in our in our public schools in terms of education about sex assumes that it's going to happen. So here's how you do it safely. And and the idea of abstinence education is mocked because it's such an unrealistic expectation, and you're just setting kids up, you know, to fail and harm themselves. So the the presumption in those conversations in schools is that this is happening. It's happening a lot, and therefore we're just going to help you do it so you don't. Injure yourself, but don't take a picture. That's a misdemeanor. But yeah, the, or you, yeah, the prosecutor's going to get involved. And right now, it's a felony, and so that doesn't. The message to be sent is: don't have sex with somebody unless you've committed your life to them, and they've committed their life to you. That is the only message that really should be sent by 
schools, by especially by our government, and exactly how to do that. I'm not sure that we should criminalize failing to live up to that standard. You're not sure that we should? We, I'm not sure that we should. I don't know to what degree. I mean— Are you open to the fact that that should be a, a criminal matter? Well, it is. it would be under this if you take a picture of it. If yeah, if that yeah, it is. You're right. You can be engaging in it, and as soon as you like break out the camera, then all then it's a criminal matter. Correct. And I, I don't know. I generally, I'm pretty libertarian in the sense people can do what they want, but that doesn't apply for children. That there's a lot more restrictions we put on on kids than we do on adults. Adults are free to make stupid decisions. And then we can talk about it on the Smart and Stupid show and say how stupid that was. But that doesn't yes. mean it should be illegal. They should be fined or imprisoned. But when it comes to our, our children, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that it should be criminal for them to have sex because it, it probably shouldn't. Um, but then what do we say about this being a misdemeanor? I'm not sure that I would even favor that. But what is certain is that we're sending some crazy mixed messages where it's okay to have sex but not okay to have a picture of it or a picture of even just uh, – a girl not dressed, you know, inappropriately dressed or, or whatever. Or not dressed at all, which is oftentimes the case. Okay. Is, so that's, that's what sexting is basically. Yeah. I, I yes. have not. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I know. So that's, the, that's what it is, but it's wrong. It, it's a crazy mixed message is my reaction. So I think that, that brings up, a, I think a good point. And let's circle back to this whole Japanese guy buying all these kids. And then, this this sexting story and and the reason I think we feel like there's you know part of our justice instinct is is slightly offended by the idea that a 16 year old girl becomes a sex offender because she took a picture of herself with her clothes off is is that we don't see that as morally equivalent to the pedophile who has this cache of pornographic images of children on his computer right those feel different and I think For sure. by any reasonable standard they are different. So we feel like they should be treated differently. But on some level, we also understand that the things that we encourage, that we allow, if if we ramp up the penalty for something, you're going to get less of it. If you lower the penalty for it, you're going to get more of it. It was the debate we had over the legalization of marijuana and drugs. Yeah, I was on marijuana in Washington. It's now the debate we're having about surrogacy and whether guys should be able to purchase kids just because they got a lot of money and maybe they like kids and they just want to be, you know, they want to be prolific. You know, if they want to have kids, there are a lot of kids that need to be adopted. That's that's my next reaction to that. I hadn't had a lot of time to think this through, but if you want to bless a child, if that's your motivation to actually bless a child in need, go out and adopt. Don't just create children but that's without not, a mother and a father. But that's not the motive. The motive is for me, particularly, I want a kid that is mine, that is biologically connected to me. That's what's going to fulfill me. So I want the law to make it easier for me to be able to do that, irrespective of how it's going to And that's an understandable desire, but it's entirely selfish. And the idea that the law should promote that is a bad idea. If you... If you want to have children, then you need to want to help children that are in need already because you literally can't have children on your own, and you shouldn't. Well, I think you're mean and cruel and heartless. <laughs> you might think Clearly. that, but the children don't think that. Children that have parents very much like the fact that they have parents. The hate in your heart makes me sad for you. I bet it does. 
That's my reaction to that. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. So then how do we apply this whole principle uh, if we realize that the things that we that we punish you'll get less of and the things that we have no punishments or lesser punishments for we'll get more of? How does that apply to sexting for minors? How should we look at this, Bill? Do we like yeah, it or not? T- it's tough. I uh, I might make it a misdemeanor instead. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't change it at all because how big of a problem is it right now? I guess that's my question. Are a lot of I think it's kids, a huge problem. I probably wouldn't send the message that sexting is not that bad unless a lot of kids are getting. I, I don't like the idea that a girl's getting you know, lifelong sex offender registration because of a, right. a, a stupid choice she made in sending a picture to somebody. Um, if that's really all it is. And then in some cases it sounds like that is all it is. Uh, but I don't like the idea of sending a message from the state that this is either okay or it's not that big of a deal or it's not bad because you shouldn't do it. It isn't okay. Um, but neither is having sex yeah. before you've committed your life to somebody. That's not okay. And that makes a bunch of problems for your, for your whole life. And uh, the only message we should send there is that don't don't do that until you're committed to somebody for life and, and committed is is married. Are you married? Then, you know, you're committed. Um, that's that's the answer to that, I think. Well, that is the answer to that. I mean, but, you know, that so many people listen to that and then they just chuckle and they say that's so ridiculous. That's so absurd because today and, and we're kind of old men now, but we the, are. The reality is that. Sex has been so separated from not just marriage, but it's been separated from love and even like friendship. It's kind of a recreational activity now. And what we have, it has been so commoditized and it's like, hey, it's, you want to go shoot, shoot hoops. And the, the, these, the apps that have been created, you can swipe right and swipe left. And the expectation is that within a couple hours, you're going to be naked together and you may or may not ever see each other after that. Like Jurassic Park, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I, that applies here every bit as much. But we have created an environment where it is, and it, it, this is kind of related, but we've created an environment where we, we are so non judgmental about everything that we are unwilling to just. Not everything. <laughs> Well, oh, you're right. We're not not everything. If you don't if you don't recycle or you voted for Donald Trump, we are very judgmental about that. But outside of that. But outside of that, there's a story from last spring break on the beaches in Florida where during the middle of a day, a girl was gang raped on the beach surrounded by crowds of people. Everybody was drunk. Two of them got more than 10 years in prison, I think. But you're surrounded by a crowd of people and no one would intervene to stop it from happening. This girl was passed out on the beach. And there were there were multiple videos of this thing that the cops recovered from that story. So people would video it, but nobody would intervene. And that's there's a complex story there. But I think when it comes to sexting, when it comes to just kind of our attitudes toward um, sex in general. Is that our we have been so catechized about this idea of tolerance and not being judgmental 
that we have all learned to swallow all of our reservations about what anything anybody else is doing because that's being judgmental and let them do what they want to do that now we've apparently created a culture where people will observe a rape and not intervene because I do believe I mean I know that there are people that would intervene in that situation how none of them happen to be on that beach is is shocking to me but I hope they were all at least totally wasted and drunk at the time all the people that were there and did nothing. Probably. But even still. Given the situation. Yeah. Even still. It, it, I, I don't. It, it, it's hard to wrap my head around that. But I do yeah. think what's feeding that is this idea that we tolerate because that makes us good and decent people. And so if my friends are going to be, you know, doing things that are harmful for them, I'm not going to encourage them not to do that because I don't want to ruin their fun because that's what makes them happy. If they're sexting, I'm not going to tell them not to do that because that's what makes them happy. And we have so elevated this idea of do whatever makes you happy at the moment, and we've completely lost sight of the fact that a lot of the things that we think are going to make us happy are the things that are going to destroy us. Because we don't have a bigger picture view of the world, and certainly I think we've lost, we, we have lost any attachment culturally to the fact that there is such thing as nature, there is such thing as a design and an intended order for our lives, and the degree to which we depart from that, we're just going to cause misery for ourselves and other people. And so on, on those beaches and in these people's lives, you know, I, I talk about this all the time, but the, the, the people who are trying the hardest to be happiest are always the most miserable people because we weren't, we weren't created and designed to make ourselves happy. And that doesn't lead to fulfillment. Yeah. It applies to both of those cases, I think, um, pretty well. Not just doing stuff in the moment that makes you happy, whether it's sexting or having 13 kids with 13 different women so that you can... It was nine. There were nine women. No, nine different women? It was only nine surrogates had 13 kids. Okay. Well, that's that's way better. Yeah, it's way better, right? (laughs) But that's the whole point is is remembering and, and teaching our kids and remembering the fact that just because I think it's going to make me happy doesn't mean it's good and doesn't mean it's going to actually make me happy because we don't have this appreciation for the fact that we have been teaching each other and what we're teaching in our sex ed classes is that our urges are there to be satisfied and to, to satisfy our identity and, and discover who we are as real people. And, and what... What scripture teaches and what a Judeo-Christian perspective reminds us of is that we are, as people, we are, uh, we are broken and we are, uh, what's the, the two of we are, it's total depravity. <laughs> our flesh and our desires are always pulling us to things that are destructive of us. And the reason that God gave us truth is so that we can recognize the difference between what we want to do and what we ought to do. And that's what makes us human. And, and the more we exalt the idea of I get to do whatever I want to do and you're, it's your obligation as a person to show your love and affection for me by helping me do the things I want to do, that's when you create an environment where none of us as individuals, I think, second guess what we're doing and saying I might feel like I want to do this, but should I? And we're, then in the same way, we're, we lose an environment where other, anybody else is willing to say, hey, maybe you should think twice about that. Um, maybe we should reconsider what we're doing here because everybody just kind of cheers each other into their self-destruction and the destruction of other people. So right. maybe, well said. Maybe that got a little heavy for our surrogacy sex and conversation. But I think, yeah. I think... <laughs> it all tied in, though. It yes. ties in because it's a, a question of loving your neighbor as yourself. 
And the focus on, on both of these is really doing something that makes me happy in the moment rather than doing something that also benefits somebody else equally in the moment. And that's, that's what we're yeah. seeing a failure of with the, with the guy who, rather than adopting children that needed yeah. love, that needed support, which maybe he could provide in, in a lot of good ways. He in decided a practical he didn't want way, to do that. But not in an emotional way. That's, yeah, that's the problem. Probably not that many, no, but he could have for one yeah. or two. Right. So the moral of the story today, ladies and gentlemen, don't do what feels good. Do what is good. That's a bumper sticker. How about that? All right. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. The Smart and Stupid Podcast is a production of the Family Policy Institute of Washington. Follow us on Twitter at FPIW, online at Facebook.com backslash Family Policy, and at FPIW.org.